friends and family out there who know what's really going on. To all my conspiracy theorist friends, yes, sometimes it's a curse and not always a blessing to be awake. Awakening is the most liberating, alienating, excruciating, empowering, lonely, confusing, freeing, frightening, expansive journey. If you find yourself struggling as you try to process all the insanity, you are not alone. No one talks about the darkness that accompanies awakening, or the grief, not only grieving the life and illusions you once had, but the realization that almost everything you thought you knew is a lie. The beliefs you held, the people you trusted, the principles you were taught all lies. Shattering illusions is rarely an enjoyable experience. There is a considerable amount of discomfort that comes with growth, and the grieving process doesn't stop there. With these newfound realizations, you then find yourself grieving all over again. Grieving the loss of many relationships with people who just don't get it. Feeling alone, being ridiculed and ashamed. Not only by the masses, but for many of you, your very own family and friends too. Feeling like you no longer have much in common with these people you are surrounded by. Struggling with carrying on bullshit. Shallow conversations that lack substance with those who are still fast asleep. Even feeling disconnected from your entire support system because they can't see what you see. Some even grieve the loss of their ignorance because ignorance is bliss and reality is harsh. Awakening can be a lonely road and you will find often yourself journeying alone. There is no way to sugarcoat it. Awakening to the realities of the world are brutal. It will have you running through the entire gamut of your emotions. You have to master the art of diving down the darkest rabbit holes only to come out and still function in daily life. That is a skill people that don't get talked about enough. Some of you are struggling with feeling disconnected from family and friends. It's as though they exist in another world. Please know you are not alone. And not only are you not alone, you have an entire tribe standing with you. We may be separated by miles, but we are definitely deeply connected in purpose and spirit. Let's start out with the I'm telling you guys, listen. De uh, default. Yeah, you said earlier this week that you expect that it couldn't come as early as June 1st. I know you get new information every day. Is that still They're going to get it from us. Uh, yes, early June is when we project that we will run out of cash, and there is a chance it could be as early as June 1st. Of course, there is a lot of uncertainty, and I plan to update Congress as new information uh, becomes available, but that's still our current thinking. Comment below and get signed up. Every G7 leader has their work cut out, but none more than Joe Biden. He's physically in Hiroshima, but his mind must be in Washington. That's where the big debt ceiling talks are happening. Quick refresher, what exactly is the debt ceiling? There's a limit on how much the US government can borrow. That limit is called the debt ceiling. The US Congress sets this limit. Right now, the debt ceiling is $31.4 trillion. A lot of money, yes, but the US government has spent most of it. If the debt ceiling is not raised, they will run out of money. Meaning, no salary for government employees, no repayment of debt. In other words, a default. The US Treasury says time is running out, that Washington could default by the 1st of June. So Republicans and Democrats are hoping to strike a last-minute deal. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy sounded optimistic on Wednesday. The only thing I'm more optimistic about, he finally agreed to something that every other time we've been able to solve a problem has worked. The structure of negotiations. I have the grit, the perseverance, and we're going to get it done. The markets are hopeful too. U.S. and European indices closed in the green on Thursday. But is a deal the end of it? Will things go back to normal overnight? Experts say they won't. We're talking about a major risk here. No one knows what a U.S. default would even look like. Why? Because it's never, ever happened before. So this is uncharted territory. Even if there's no default, there will be aftershocks. The question is, how big will it be? Wall Street says $1 trillion. Let me explain. The U.S. Treasury is currently running out of money. It has around $95 billion in the bank. 
how much would it like to have around 550 billion by the end of june 600 billion by the end of september if the debt ceiling is raised that can be achieved but the process is dangerous the treasury will have to issue more bills than usual it will have to raise a lot of money in quick time and where will this cash come from the private sector that buys the bills the end result could be a major liquidity crisis Let's try and understand with the help of an example. Imagine you and your friends are out for dinner. The restaurant's internet is out, so you'll have to pay by cash. Just one problem though. You use UPI and don't carry a lot of cash. So you go around the table and you ask your friends. Everyone empties their wallet. Thankfully there's enough money to pay the bill. The flip side, no one has liquid cash anymore. Your friend circle has run out of cash, has run out of money. That's what could happen in the US. The Treasury's rapid attempts to raise money could drain liquidity. What happens then? Fundings and loans could get more expensive. Bank of America says the impact will be similar to a quarter point interest hike. That's 25 basis points. In normal times, this may not have been a problem. But in 2023 America, this could be disastrous. Interest rates are already high. They're 5% higher than in March 2022. So the US economy does not need another shock but from the looks of it there is no escape deal or no deal there will be trouble ahead and just to be clear this wasn't some unavoidable crisis this was perfectly preventable most countries in the world have debt ceilings but they're not absolute amounts they are percentages of the gdp like in the european union it's 60% of the gdp but in the us it's an absolute amount what is the rationale behind this apparently accountability to make sure no us president goes on a spending spree it's a great idea but for this idea to work you need rational responsible leaders unfortunately the us has none you have liberal leaders who want to overspend you have conservatives who want to underspend no one wants the middle ground as a result the debt ceiling has become see fam they trying to get you into this financial digital currency thing now i see i know this fam i'm listening to a lot of content and now the content that i'm hearing is more or less about the debt ceiling yeah maybe they trying to make a flim flam with the debt ceiling so that they can do it so they can implement the digital dollar you know we got to really watch out for these people but now fam watching i'm i'm listening to some of these things right here about how they trying to implement these things and stuff so what we going to do fam is analyze It runs out of money us president joe biden and house speaker kevin mccarthy are set to meet once again on monday to discuss a deal to lift the us debt ceiling an agreement must be reached by june the 1st or the treasury department has warned the us faces a potential default The debt cap currently stands at roughly 31 uh, 31.4 trillion US dollars but that limit was hit in January forcing the treasury department to use extraordinary measures to provide the government with cash but democrats and republicans have very different ideas on how to proceed president biden said he won't agree to the latest proposal from republicans I'm not going to agree to a deal that protects wealthy tax cheats and crypto traders while putting food assistance at risk for nearly 100 why should we nearly 1 million Americans and it's time for republicans to accept that there is no bipartisan deal you see uh you see the the flam flam and the slick slick talk that they be talking biden gave and biden was so concerned about the american people biden gave ukraine all those billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars y'all now he worried about the american people and they slick talk i'm telling y'all man that's why i tell these females now fam if y'all so much into that dollar other than a man then you on the last leg baby you better go get a good man You better go get a righteous man. You better go find a man that's fighting for the most high um word. Is in the same narratives of the most high. 
Because this money is gone, and when you ain't got that money, sister, what's gonna happen? That's why I keep beating on my tongue talk. I don't wanna be saying like, um, I'm mad or arrogant or this, or this. But I want you to be prepared and have a great mindset, man. We gonna need y'all on this journey as well. And y'all following behind these other people, and this money is going because the only reason why y'all so submissive in this world is because of that dollar bill, man. Only reason why y'all so submissive in this world, y'all, is because that dollar bill. So, ladies, when that dollar bill goes to the bye-bye, what you gonna do, sisters? Let's analyze what this clown talking about. To be made solely solely on their partisan terms. Historically, the U.S. has never defaulted on its debt, so we don't know what it's like, uh, as this will likely cause significant economic damage in the U.S. and across the globe. Uh, CNN chief business correspondent Christine Romans joins you from New York to answer that huge question. What does happen if America runs out of money? You know, the U.S. government bond market is really the cornerstone of the global financial system, quite frankly. So we don't even really know what the ripple effects would be. We just know that catastrophic Armageddon, these are the kinds of words that economists and policymakers use when they imagine a world in which the United States doesn't have enough money to pay all of its uh, all of its debts. There's about $57 billion in the, in the bank account right now, the treasury coffers uh, right now. And as you get into June, there are gonna be some big payments that'll be necessary. Uh, veterans benefits, social security, that's paid on the second, third and fourth Wednesday of the month. And the big question is, what happens to the Treasury Department when they're trying to decide which bills to pay if you don't raise uh, the debt limit? It's sort of a Hunger Games of sorts, trying to decide what would have the less, the, the least amount of damage and, and help the most people. See, y'all? You see how they plan with our lives, common people? You see how these people plan with our lives and our livelihood? They don't care about us, and y'all vote for them. Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican. All of them clowns, man. They... They ain't doing what they supposed to be doing. But y'all sitting up here depending on people that don't know. I told you, the Bible said that the Most High going to take away their wise men. Do you think they working in wisdom, y'all? All this got to be in destruction, man. And all y'all ready. And you hear all this, they playing with us, our common people, and we allowing this to happen. And we should be, no, y'all should be ashamed of y'allself. Especially these men out here running around here with the rubber band back. Let's analyze. People, um, maybe the Treasury would decide to keep all of its fixed payments if it could. So Social Security it would try to pay, uh, veterans benefits it would try to pay, but maybe it would give contractors IOUs. This is what they're trying to game out here, trying to figure out how that would work. Now, if you give federal contractors a big part of the American economy, IOUs, you're in a situation where economists at Goldman Sachs have, have estimated that uh, the day after you go over this, this uh, X date, you could, in effect, shut down a tenth of the American economy. It just stops all of that economic activity. That would certainly cause a recession and probably cause, you know, a calamity in stock and bond markets uh, around the world. There's always this, there, there's just so much at stake, it is so intertwined, the U.S. Uh, debt market and American debt borrowing. You know, Max, a good way to look at it here is if the world relies on the U.S., the U.S. debt, right? The U.S. spends beyond its means and issues debt in return that is the most sought after investment uh, in the world. It allows the U.S. to invest in its economy and invest in itself and grow to the big biggest economy in the world. So you're hearing these rumblings in Washington that this debt is such a bad thing, but in the eyes of international investors, it is something that is uh, a strength, not a, a weakness. But this is all politics here. This is this is a, a political game, not an economic game at this moment. And that's what has uh, investors so concerned. Joe Biden is in Japan. Yesterday, he killed the Quad Summit. But he has made time for the G7 Summit and he has good reason to not avoid this one. America's credibility is under threat. The G7 is a group of the world's seven biggest economies. They meet every year for a single purpose, to keep the global economy stable. Guess what the G7 is worried about this year? The American economy. The US is two weeks away from a potential default. It will spell disaster. 
not just for them but the whole world it will impact every member of the G7 and that's what they're worried about so as Joe Biden landed in Japan today he had his task cut out he has to assure his partners that America will not default it won't be easy and it's quite an anti-climax for him his visit to Asia was supposed to be a grand foreign policy project instead it's been cut short and it's off to a shaky start he has cancelled the plan to visit Australia and Papua New Guinea. Thanks to him, the Quad Summit in Sydney has been called off. The US President must rush back to firefight at home to negotiate his way out of the debt crisis. And this will be easier said than done. So the world is worried about what may be in store. As Biden left for Japan, he tried to calm nerves. America will not default. And uh, every leader in the room understands the consequences that we fail to pay our bills. And it would be catastrophic. Catastrophic, he says. It's not an exaggeration. His government has two weeks to fix this. They need money to repay debts, government debts. They need to be able to borrow more. And for that, they need the U.S. Congress on board. It must agree to further borrowing. It must raise the limit or the ceiling of debt. But the Congress has Republicans. And the Republicans seem to be in no mood to relent. Listen to what they're saying about Joe Biden's Asia visit. Mr. President, Stop hiding. Stop traveling somewhere else. America wants an American president focused on American problems, finding American solutions. We have them here for you. The world heard that and they got the message. There is no resolution yet, which means a default is very much possible. Over the weekend, there was a meeting. G7 central bank chiefs and finance ministers met in Japan. What did they discuss? The U.S. debt ceiling crisis. And the political stalemate in America. Reports say the crisis constantly figured in the discussions there. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said there will be a default if the political impasse doesn't end. Yellen said this standoff is quote-unquote more difficult than those in the past. A default would threaten the gains that we've worked so hard to make over the past few years in our pandemic recovery. And it would spark a global downturn that would set us back much further. Her British counterpart Jeremy Hunt shared an assessment too. He said it would be, and I'm quoting, absolutely devastating if the debt limit is not raised and America's economic growth will be, quote unquote, knocked off track. Japan's finance minister later confirmed that the US crisis was indeed discussed, but he refused to share the details. At the G7 working dinner, a wide range of views were exchanged on the fiscal and monetary issues of each country. Secretary Yellen also mentioned the United States debt ceiling issue. It's a rule that we generally don't mention the statements made by foreign countries, so I would like to say only the fact that the statement was made and refrain from going into details. After the talks, a joint communique was released. It did not mention America's debt crisis, but it's evidently the focus of G7 conversations. Leading institutions like the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank have raised an alarm. Let me share their statements. The IMF said a U.S. default will have quote-unquote serious repercussions. We would want to avoid those severe repercussions and for that reason, we again are calling on all of the parties to come together, reach consensus and resolve the matter as quickly as possible. This is what the IMF is saying. Then we have the World Bank. It says clearly distress in the world's biggest economy would be negative for everyone. The repercussions would be bad to not get it done. This is the World Bank. During the protests of George Floyd's killing, it happened three years ago, but she is still waiting for justice. Her mother spoke today to CBS News, Charday Gray. The star Tate Washington's mother, Tawana, struggles to find the words after watching her daughter get run over by an unattended Chicago police unit in 2020. I just try to let go Dash cam video provided by the Quarry Law Firm is nearly an hour long. It shows an officer responding to the George Floyd protest. The star Tate was walking home from her grandmother's house because bus service had been disrupted. Police were trying to control the crowds at 111th Street and South Michigan Avenue when they ordered her to the ground. She complied. Washington was 15 years old at the time. Instead of putting the car in, in park, they jump out of that vehicle. The car begins to roll backwards, and then you hear screaming. This is where Astarte 
was run over by a Chicago police unit. Nearly three years later, and her attorney says she's still suffering. The family filed a lawsuit against the city of Chicago. Their attorney says they offered to settle the case, but never heard back. Instead of resolving this matter, um, instead of allowing this young lady to continue to live the life that you know she wanted to live before this incident took place, they're dragging her through this litigation process. Robert Fricori says they're seeking $5 million. We reached out to the police department and were told CPD does not comment on pending litigation. Fricori says there's still a pending issue. The city won't confirm or deny whether the officer's body cameras were on. We issued what was called a request to admit because we don't have body-worn camera footage of this instance. Um, despite having five officers attending to our client immediately after the rollover. With a new mayor in office, Washington is hoping her family will find clarity. Justice for Astarte. Because Astarte, she really a good girl. Reporting in Roseland, Sharday Grace. The whole history of America is the history of rich white men telling not rich white people that their enemies are black and brown. It starts in the colonies of what would become the United States. Let's remember, during the colonial period, mid-1600s, there was no such thing as white people. I know some people who are now called white find that shocking, right? because they think whiteness is real. Right? But whiteness was created. Europeans didn't call themselves white. We didn't call ourselves white. We weren't all members of one big happy family. Are you kidding? Have you studied the history of Europe? The history of Europe was about killing each other. That's what we did in Europe. We just killed each other before we figured out there were other people to kill. We just killed each other, right? I mean, that was the history of Europe. The English hated the Irish, right? Northern Italians didn't even think that Southern Italians were Italians. The Germans hated everybody and everybody hated their ass right back, right? There was no team called white, no race called white, but all of a sudden in the middle of the 1600s, there was, why? Why was it suddenly necessary? to create this thing called the white race. Well, because rich people can count, that's why. And so rich folks looked around, the ones that owned all the land, you know, in the colonies, the colonial elite looked around and they realized something, that they were heavily outnumbered by African enslaved folks, by European indentured servants, who were just one level above a slave, or other Europeans who weren't technically indentured servants, but they were still peasants, didn't have any money, didn't have any land, and they could do the math. They added it up and they were like, damn, we gotta figure out a way to split these folks apart from one another or they're gonna rise up and take our stuff, right? Because after a while, these black folks who were enslaved Africans and these quote unquote white folks who were poor Europeans are gonna figure out they're all getting played by these rich people, right? So ultimately the rich figure out they gotta come up with some way to get somebody in that group on their team. The easiest thing is to get the poor Europeans, right? Because at least they look like you. They sort of share some of the customs and the culture. So they all of a sudden create this thing called whiteness and they say, now you're part of the club. Now we're gonna let you testify in court, enter into contracts, vote, at least if you're a man, own a little bit of land, at least if you're a man, right? And we're going to get rid of indentured servitude, no more of that, because you're too good for that. And we're gonna take the white men, now called white men, and put them on the slave patrol to keep black people in line. Give them a horse and a gun and a badge and make them feel big and powerful, right? They're still poor. They still don't have anything. They didn't pay the slave patrol well, right? just exploited them, used them as a buffer between the elite and the other poor folks, particularly poor folks of color. And pretty soon the rebellions that occasionally happened where black and white got together to overthrow the elite, those stopped because the divide and conquer had begun to work, right? You could turn people against each other by telling those poor white folks, they gotta keep these black people in line. And so that divide and conquer gets initiated in the colonies, rich white men telling not rich white people that their enemies are black and brown. Second Ezra 15, 5 and 6. Behold, said the Most High, I will bring plagues upon the world, the sword, famine, death, and destruction. For wickedness have exceeded, polluted the whole earth, and their hurtful works are fulfilled. Six months worth of rain has fallen here in just 36 hours in Emilia-Romagna, northeastern Italy. With so little time to prepare, emergency services call from home to home. 
evacuating those who are trapped in just a few hours. As hundreds of streets become rivers, helicopters rescue those who are most hard to reach. Elsewhere, dinghies become the only means of escape for some of the 10,000 who've now been forced to leave. At least 13 lives have already been lost, another calamity made worse by the climate crisis. Across the whole region, devastation arrived overnight, with some areas being inundated with 500 milliliters of rain in a day and a half. 280 landslides and 23 rivers burst their banks, and this is the result. The Italian Farming Association says that the damage is incalculable, with 5,000 farms affected, vineyards, fruit, vegetables and grain all underwater. We were set up a few blocks away from the infestation and we shot a lot of our video from inside our news van tonight, and that's because those bees were aggressive. Second Ezra 15, 10 and 11. Behold, my people is led as a flock to the slaughter. I will not assure them now to dwell in the land of Egypt, but I will bring them with a mighty hand and a before, and I will destroy all the land thereof. Egypt with a plague as before. Let's analyze. Impressive. They were literally following people and attacking them. This Encino neighborhood temporarily on lockdown. The reason? Thousands and thousands of agitated bees. They started invading the whole area. Jerry Spots was swarmed by a bunch of them and got stung on his lip. They started attacking me in my backyard. So I ran inside knowing this, this is odd. Uh, but then went back out and it started happening again and went after my dog. The bees were unrelenting. One man was taken to the hospital with multiple bee stings. These bees are getting this guy. And as this LAPD volunteer officer tried to swat the swarms away, he fell to the ground and hit. Oh, you can see the bees now swarming all around him. These professional bee vendors tell us this is an unusual sight. This is not a normal behavior for bees. Somebody must have agitated them somehow, somewhere, today. Typically, if you leave bees alone, they leave you alone. But something happened to awaken this hive and agitate the colony. They're just attacking everybody, and they're actively stinging, as I myself have been stung today. Brooks Putman works for All Valley Honey and Bee. He says this group of bees probably started in an attic or a wall space, and they've been growing in size and strength for a while. This is such an active hive, they are so aggressive, there are so many of the bees, that it looks like they probably have a fairly well-established hive. Putman says they're spraying a pesticide, which releases a smell that deters the bees from returning. In the meantime, though, everyone who lives in this 1700 block of Adlon Road was told to stay inside. As Spain is burning, there is a massive fire that has engulfed some regions in the western part of Spain. In the Jeremiah. 49 and 17. Also, Edom shall be a desolation. Everyone that goeth by it shall be astonished and shall hiss at all the plagues thereof. Who is Edom? The so called Caucasian man, the Edomites part of Spain and the far has resulted in people having to flee from their homes and it has caused a lot of havoc in a region called Extremadura. Black smoke clouds cover the sky, firefighters battled to try and bring the flames under control and this is how the area of Pino Franco in Spain at this moment looks like. firefighters in this densely forested area. Spain's military emergencies unit has been deployed in the area. But the fire 
with a spread over 8,000 hectares near the border with Portugal continues to cause havoc in the region. Earlier on Friday, the emergency crews evacuated nearly about 600 villages from the affected region. They are terming this disaster as very large attack against vegetation. However, wildfires are not new to this region. An unusually dry winter across parts of southern Europe, combined with three years of below average rainfall, is being blamed. In fact, last year, nearly 500 fires had destroyed over 300,000 hectares of land. If there's one symbol of the drought affecting large parts of southern Europe, Psalms 107, 33, and 34. He turned rivers and he turned rivers into a wilderness, and the water spring into dry ground, and fruitful land into bearishness for the wickedness. Of them that dwell therein. Let's analyze. Lunia. It's now at less than 6% of its capacity. The level so low that about 4,000 fish had to be culled here. Over fears the water would become too muddy for them to survive. It's a desolate scene. The 11th century church of Santroma da Sao was once submerged. It's now standing well above the water level. Usually, we only see the tip of the church. It's worrying. I live at an altitude of a thousand meters, and we're starting to see dry trees up there too. Springs that were always plentiful before no longer have water. And you're asking what's happening? It's not raining. That's the answer. It has rained a little. Only a significant downpour can reverse the situation. But with average temperatures rising, it's difficult to predict when or if that could come, then... Hey, what's up? First of all, I just want to say thank you for all the people that's listening and chiming in. You didn't have to do it, but you did it anyway. So I appreciate you doing that. Hopefully that way, if we can learn how to agree to disagree, and we can live like people. When I make the hard topics, I say the hard things, I make the thing itch scratch. So if your itch is not scratching, and you're scratching on the itch, maybe you need to look yourself in the mirror. So I'm not here for no drama, I'm not here for no nothing, just to learn, 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 and edify. This is from learning situations only. So I'm not here to get anybody's hairs up. So again, thank you. And hopefully we can agree to disagree. conversations about trans identity on this floor and I would love to not participate in reinforcing the negative rhetoric that we it's have. I negative. would just rather we're, we're focus on why this why bill, a trans woman I'm, I'm so should sorry. or should not be able to compete against natural women at the college level. This is the whole issue of this bill. What is the difference? What is a trans woman? I've literally laid out in my opposition speech why this bill is harmful. You don't have to agree with me, but I've expressed it's harmful to the economy. Is there a difference? It's harmful to, to all students. Is there it's, a difference? It's reinforcing a discriminatory rhetoric and misinformation and stereotypes. And you don't have to agree, Representative Toth, that is your choice. But I think this line of questioning is potentially problematic. Gross measure of body strength suggests that a natural female's are approximately 50 to 60 percent, only as 50 to 60 percent as strong in upper body strength as a, as a man. Is that not relevant? 
I think what is relevant is that the legislature is, push, is pushing a t complete ban, the most extreme piece of legislation, as opposed to allowing the governing bodies, which are um, addressing fairness and putting in rules and regulations on their own without us interfering. So a biological male, let's say, that competes in the javelin throw and then becomes a trans female, what is the difference in the weight of the javelin between a man and a woman's sport competition at the collegiate level? I would really invite you to listen to this opposition speech that I gave. How about a shot put? What's I the difference? I think it's very important that we don't reinforce. Do you know that the woman's shot put is half the weight? And I think that this line the of woman's shot put is half the weight and of a man's shot put. And perpetuate misinformation. That's misinformation? I think that here, here, here no, is... No, it actually is. A men's shot put is 16 pounds. A woman's shot put is 8.82 pounds. That's not misinformation. Members, let's please refrain from talking over one another. How about a basketball, Representative? Men's basketball circumference is 29.5 inches. Do you know what a woman's basketball circumference is? Like I said, the bill, or what we are talking about, is to allow for the governing bodies Thank to you. make their rules and regulations of someone being criminalized purely for having material which is hateful without that material being communicated uh, to the to the public that's a problem in my opinion like that that, that, that it gets to the fundamental problem of, of this bill that is the creation of a of a thought crime someone has hateful material on their computer they don't publish it no incitement to hatred is, is caused. There's no consequence for anybody else. The person themselves has hateful ideas. They write hateful things to themselves. They download hateful material, whatever. And they can be criminalized as a, as a consequence of that. Again, to be clear, I'm against this hypothetical hateful material that this person has on their computer. But, but I think it's extremely problematic um, to, to create this new category of thought crime, of, of preempting the... Uh, incitement to to hatred and the propagation of of hatred uh, I, ideas um, and as a part of that i mean subsection three states that where it is reasonable to assume that the material was not intended for personal use the onus will be put onto the accused to prove their own innocence by showing the material that they prepared or even just material they possessed was never intended to be publicly communicated and so with, within section 10 you the creation of thought crime and then you have a, a dangerous reversal of the burden of proof, where the burden is now placed on the accused to show that, uh, to overturn the presumption um, that the material was not intended for, for personal use. So this, this is extremely problematic. There is a real problem in terms of civil liberties with uh, this uh, section. Um, as I understand it, at committee, the minister argued that, don't worry, the DPP won't be taking cases willy-nilly, be very sensitive and so on. That, that can't answer to us as legislators. We're creating law. We don't control what happens uh, after that. And we can't be satisfied by promises that the TPP will or will not do something, nor can we be satisfied by promises that the courts will or will not do something. Section Well, my position basically is we better get our act together before the giants show up. And they're like knocking at the door right now. So you better build your ark, folks. and get on your adventure because we're whipping up some things in the lab that will make everything that's come so far look like nothing's happened at all yet and that's that's not like next year that's tomorrow that's now so we're gonna have a lot of things to contend with well federal reserve knows the dollar is finished I mean, honest to God, um, if I could speak about maybe something I've heard at some point, maybe from something reputable, maybe, maybe not, you never know. I'm just going to throw something out there that I heard. That the BRIC nations want off the dollar, and they're going to do it August 1st of this year. So they have their own version of the SWIFT system, an international payment system that will run everything but the dollar. And joining that list is Saudi Arabia. This is big China's on that list. Russia's on that list. Brazil is on that list. 
You know, Thailand's on that list. There's a lot of countries that are tired of the dollar and they want off. What's the difference between arrest and detain? Even though you don't know the difference between detain and arrest, your testimony here today is that you detained her but did not arrest her? Yes. Is there any training required to become a lieutenant in Cook County? Yes or no? Yes. We're not born free, and we remind you this. We cannot move around freely. We cannot live where we choose to. We need passports and work permits. We have to follow rules and laws that we didn't agree to at birth. We have to work. Let's stop and analyze. Malachi 2 and 10. Arise you and depart. For this is not your rest because it is polluted. It shall destroy you even with a sore destruction. Let's analyze, fam. Survive and earn this thing called money. We're the only species that has to pay money to live in the world we're born into. We have to pay taxes to escape jail. This is not freedom. Clearly, this is called slavery. why the world is so messed up, why nothing works, and why things are just seem to be falling apart around us. This is the presentation that I recommend everybody should watch. Many of us have seen the movie The Truman Show. It's actually a great example of how easily we can be controlled and manipulated to believing something that is not necessarily true. Truman... Proverbs 22 and 7. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. The last one was Micaiah. This is Proverbs 22 and 7. As you may or may not know, is a baby that is born into a TV show, and everything around him is created and fake and synthetic just for him so they can have a TV show. And when they asked the producer of the Truman Show, why does Truman simply accept this fake reality around him? How come he doesn't realize that he's being controlled and manipulated on every level? The producer answers, we accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. And just think about it. That's exactly what happens to us. Let's look at our reality, right? Our reality, like Truman, is as follows. We are born, we go to school, the harder you work, the more you get. That's what we told all the time, right? We Ecclesiasticus 38 and 24. The wisdom of a learned man cometh by opportunity of leisure. And he that has little business shall become wise. Find a career and suppress our talents. Remember how many times children tell their teachers or their parents, yes, I want to do this. And the parents or the teachers say, well, that's great, but how are you going to survive doing that? So everything is constantly skewed back towards money and making money so that you can survive. Uh, and we're told that competition is good. Competition is the mother of invention. Without competition, there'd be nothing. That's probably one of the most disgusting lies that we've been fed. And it, unfortunately, this is internalized in our subconscious. And we keep thinking that's one of the fear factors that keeps driving us, that we have to constantly compete, compete and be better and get to the top of the pile. What happens when you get to the top of the pile? Somebody else wants to get to the top of the pile and knock you off your perch. So clearly that's not going to work, right? We believe in all-powerful governments and they control. But all our lives as we're growing up, we see the governments, the control. We are told that we appoint and elect our governments to be our servants. But you know by now that that's not true. The government's... Proverbs 29 and 2. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked... Bear ruleth, 
the people mourn. Not our servants, but a lot more about that. We have borders, we have passports. You can't just go from one place to another. We have laws. We become citizens at a moment, at some stage of our lives. You're a baby, then a toddler, then a child, and then suddenly you're a citizen, and now suddenly you're the possession. Somebody owns you. Your country and your government owns you, and they can do whatever they want with you. And we get told over and over, don't trust anyone. Don't trust anyone. What kind of a world is this where you go around constantly fearing and not trusting anyone? I don't want to live in a world like that. Survival of the fittest. Yeah, you have to be fit. You have to be survival of the fittest. This is what shoved down our throats. That is not necessarily true. That is, in fact, completely the opposite. Money makes the world go round. That's what we are told. I'd like to remind you that we live in a world of abundance. We don't. Proverbs 30 and 8. Remove, for, remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Fill me with food convenient for me. Don't live in a world of scarcity. Unfortunately, this is what's being painted for us. And we're constantly told that things are scarce, that there's not enough of this and not enough of that. A world of abundance is what surrounds us. We just need to figure out how to set up this world around us that we can tap into this abundance. Just think about it. Every day, about seven and a half or eight billion people wake up and they do something. We do so much every day that boggles our mind. If you just think about what we do, how we build, we grow food, we transport, we carry, we create, we invent, we dream, we paint, we sculpture, we sing, we cook, we dance, we fly. We do an infinite number of things every day, seven and a half billion people. And yet at the end of that day, most of us cannot afford what it is that we've created. We just don't have enough money to buy the cars that we built or the airplanes that we built or the food that we grow because we keep doing this for corporations or government departments or somebody else. We should be doing it for ourselves, but we ultimately end up doing it for a third party and we do not have access to the things that we create. The technology that surrounds us is all created by people, not by corporations. Keep this in mind. In this world of abundance, there is more starvation today than ever before in the history of our planet. More people. Proverbs 29 and 7. The righteous consider the cause of the poor, but the wicked regardeth not to know it. Don't that sound like the people in politics? today die on a daily basis from starvation than ever before. I believe that nobody wants to live in a world of this scarcity and this misery, this poverty and this hunger that grips the world on so many levels. It is also deeply depressing to know that about one third of the food that we grow gets discarded every year. According to the United Nations, about 1.3 billion tons of food gets discarded every year. Not because there are no people who want to eat the food. We clearly know there are hungry people everywhere. But the food gets discarded because there's no one to buy it. There's more homeless people today than ever before in the world. More sick people today than ever before. More mentally disturbed people today. More children dying every day than ever before. People everywhere live in misery. There seems to be no happy outcome to the political and the economic mess of this planet. And this, I think, is potentially the biggest problem that people feel trapped. They cannot see a way out of this mess. Every year, every month, every day, every week, it gets more difficult and harder to survive. People are having to do two or three jobs just to survive and pay the bills and put bread on the table every day. I Ecclesiastic 38, 33, and 34. They shall not be salt for the public council me not sit high in the congregation 
they shall not sit on the judge, sit nor understand the sentence of the judgment. They cannot declare justice and judgment, and they shall not be found where parables are spoken. But they will maintain the state of the world and all their desires is in the work of their craft. Let's analyze. The global system is broken. The global economic system social structures are broken. It is out of control. Clearly everybody can feel that. It cannot be fixed. We have to find a new system. A system in which money is no longer needed. As Albert Einstein said, we cannot solve our problems with the same kind of thinking we used when we created the problems. Clearly we have to use a different kind of thinking and this is where it starts to get very, very exciting. What happens if we remove money from the system? What will happen? Everything suddenly gets a lot easier because you're removing hurdles to progress. But then the million questions come up. Well, how is this going to work? How is that going to work? How is this going to work if there's no money? What happened since 2005, there have been these five points, what I call the five-point mantra of contributionism. No money, no barter, no trade, no value attached, where everyone contributes their talents and skills for the greater benefit of everyone in their community. First Timothy 5 and 8. But if any provided not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Let's analyze. It's only when you realize that every aspect of your life has been controlled, manipulated, restricted by laws, bills, acts, courts, judges, governments, and um, even the Bill of Rights, your is an absolute assault on our rights, where we believe it's actually a Bill of Rights, of human rights, you will learn that that's not actually the case. So, remember, from the first breath you take to the last moment you breathe out, our lives are controlled by those who control money. We're enslaved by money and the socio-economic structure and the socio-economic system that we're all born into. In the movie The Matrix, Morpheus describes what the matrix is. And in essence, that's what he's describing. He's describing the global slavery system. It's driven by the royal political elite that control the, the money and so forth. And possibly some hidden faces behind those that control the bankers. It's really... Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon the earth where month and rust doeth courage and when these break through and steal but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither nor nor not neither not nor rust doeth corrupt and when thieves do not break through nor steal Matthews 6 19 and 20 let's analyze America may not go into battle directly anytime soon but it must be prepared for one as of today it doesn't look prepared let me show you another report. This is from November last year. It says, US warplanes are not combat ready. Only four out of 49 warplanes met combat requirements. Jeremiah 49 and 7. Concerning Edom, this says the Most High of hope. Is wisdom no more in Timon? Is counseling Precise from the prudent? Is there wisdom vanishing? So I told y'all, 
I told y'all there's no wisdom going on. Y'all see, they missing parts. They trying to start a war. Yo, they clowns, y'all. You see how foolish they are? They trying to start a war with Russia and China, y'all. And they ain't got materials to be... Let's analyze. And our new report says they have a million spare parts missing and they don't know where they went. How would you assess a force like this? Which parts are these? They are for the F-35 fighter jet, the most advanced warplane in the world. Also America's most important weapon as of today. If there's a war, if there's a need to demonstrate air power, the F-35 will be seen in action. But to keep that warplane ready for battle, the US must maintain an inventory for spare parts. Recently, this inventory was audited and it was found that thousands of parts were missing. In fact, I have some numbers. More than 1 million spare parts of the F-35 have been lost. Do you know how much they're worth? More than $85 million, and that's just the loss from one contractor. So the actual loss could be much higher, and it's hard to come up with an estimate. Do you know why? Because the Pentagon doesn't keep any books. There are no records. The US government has no way to track where the parts are going. Remember, we are talking about the world's most powerful military with the biggest budget and supposedly the best technology. But they cannot explain where their parts are going. How difficult is it to maintain an Excel sheet? It turns out they did not have one in the first place. And this is quite a mess. The Pentagon was asked about this and they couldn't explain it. The Pentagon has an F-35 program office, an entire department looking after all things F-35. Reports say they don't have any accountability over the parts. What's worse, this is not a first. For at least five years now, the US military has been failing this accountability audit. The way they're going, it won't inspire confidence among allies. Look at how America is poised today. They're locked in a proxy war against Russia, whether they admit to it or not. And they're locked in an escalating cold war with the Chinese. Iran has successfully launched a surface-to-surface fourth-generation ballistic missile. The liquid-fueled missile called Khyber has a potential range of 2,000 kilometers. It is an upgraded version of Iran's Karamshar 4 ballistic missile, which is capable of carrying 1,500 kilograms of warheads. Other distinctive features of the missile include quick preparation and launch time, which gives it a tactical edge. It is also capable of... Jeremiah... 51 and 11. Make bright the arrow. Gather the shield. The Most High has risen up the spirit of the kings of the Medes. For his device is against Babylon to destroy it because it is the vengeance of the Most High, the vengeance of his temple. Evading radars and cutting through enemy's air defenses. Remember, Iran has one of the biggest missile programs in the Middle East, and despite opposition and threat of sanctions from the West, Tehran aims to further develop its defensive missile program. Iran says that its ballistic missiles are an important deterrent and retaliatory force. Against who? the United States against Israel and other potential regional adversaries as well. The Ministry of Defense message to our enemies is that we are determined to defend our country and the achievements of the Islamic revolution and we have shown the enemy that they cannot stop the growth and progress of our youth. The launch comes days after the chief of Israel's armed forces warned of some action against Tehran over its new atomic facility. I am saying that there are possible negative developments on the horizon that could bring about military action. We have capabilities and others also have capabilities. And this issue is very significant and important. Fears over Tehran's advancing nuclear activities are rising ever since discussion on 2015 nuclear deal has been stalled. 
Is the U.S. government really calling for legislation to invade Mexico and destroy the drug cartels? So here's what happens. U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham announced his plan to introduce a bill that would lay the groundwork for authorizing the use of U.S. military force against Mexican drug cartels. A Hosea 4 and 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because thou hast rejoiced because thou has rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou has forgotten the law of Yahawashai. I will also forget thou children. Your step as the Pentagon typically just advises and assists with anti-drug operations. Historically, they've never authorized direct strikes against cartels inside of Mexico. But this new bill would bestow upon the Mexican cartels the unique honor of becoming one of only 65 foreign terrorist organizations in the entire world. This FTO designation would have many consequences, right? Among them, it would authorize the use of US military targeted drone strikes with AGM Hellfire missiles, nighttime American special forces surgical raids on cartel leaders as they try to sleep, satellite intelligence assets refocused on the southern border. Supporters say that this will give the U.S. government more powerful, lethal tools to destroy the cartel. Critics claim it could ruin a relationship with an important strategic ally, Mexico. Declarations like this are controversial and have understandably alarmed the Mexican government. It's called into question the correct role of the U.S. military in counter-narcotics. From Mexico's perspective, it's easy to see how they might not see the distinction between a targeted missile strike on a drug lab and a full-blown invasion. Russia is making bold moves near Ukraine. Moscow is finally resorting to its nuclear options. Tactical warheads are being moved to Belarus. The plan was announced back in March. So far, the Kremlin hadn't acted on it. But today, it finally pulled the trigger. Russian nuclear weapons are going to Belarus. Ezekiel 35 and 8 And I will fill his mountain with his slain men in thy hills and in thy valleys and in all the rivers shall thou fall that are slain with the sword. The transfer of nuclear weapons has begun. It has already begun. Yes, it has already begun. The weapons are already in Belarus. Maybe. I'll take a look when I go back. That was Alexander Lukashenko, the president of Belarus and a loyal ally of Vladimir Putin. The West has denounced these deployments. What made Putin resort to nuclear weapons? What is the Russian president's endgame? Who are these weapons for? Ukraine. That's a no-brainer. But there could be more targets. Look at the map. Belarus shares a border with three NATO members, Poland, Lithuania and Latvia. So these countries too can be potential targets. What kind of warheads are these? Tactical warheads. They are small in size and they are used for a limited strike. So they won't be able to destroy big cities, but they can obliterate small areas. That's their purpose. Um I'm about to get on their ass this time. I'm about to get on their wrong. The police could kill a man on camera and get qualified immunity. And I'm tired of beefing with my own kind. I'm trying to find some unity. Tired of the foolery. The system abusing me. I gotta ride with the tool of me. This shit ain't cool to me. But I'll be damned if I let you niggas make a fool of me. So I keep two on me. Uh, I done came a long way from the block with breakdowns. Finally opened my eyes when I had my daughter. Got tired of them shakedowns. The way I survived the game is still pain in my heart. I got a lot to say now. And I'ma show my whole ass on these motherfuckers. I ain't about to play around. Whatever happened to freedom of speech? Cause they telling niggas what to say now. When guilty ass don't wanna hear the truth, try to act defend the shit pitiful. If I was you, I'd be miserable. This war we fighting is spiritual. In other words, I'm doing God's work when I turn thoughts into artwork. My words fly like darts work, specifically designed to hit the target. They don't even wanna teach history the way it's meant to be because the shit is heartless. I might not change the world, but it's a chance I can spark the brain that's gonna get it started. Many die for me to walk like this, for me to talk like this. What's the piece to market? Uh, 
got my eyes behind the scope and I ain't taking number headshots. I got great aim, but my four five still came with a red dot. I got in this game and I put this bitch in the headlock.